0: This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. as we've seen and heard is a type of music which draws from all walks and geographical backgrounds pertaining to roots-based sound. There is no single auditory identification which one can apply to the genre in order to say, this is what it takes to make Americana music. Yes, there's a general idea and a feeling and an industry behind it, but it is perfectly unique in that it has been able to encapsulate so many subgenres in a relatively short amount of time As mentioned in previous episodes, the first official Americana music chart was released by Gavin Magazine in 1997. 22 years of formal print recognition can only be described as a sweet spot in genre development. Two decades is enough time to still have the pioneers of the genre actively engaging with it, setting a standard, if you will, while also permitting a level of flexibility and room for growth. And in speaking about room for growth, I'm not just referring to the welcome addition of new artists within the genre. For those that are still active, it's also potential for musical exploration by the genre's original champions, the artists we have to thank for creating the musical moment in the first place. On today's episode of Americana Podcast, The 51st State, we speak on one such titan of the genre, Kevin Russell. Kevin Russell, or as we've been calling him, the physical embodiment of sound, was born in the late 60s in Beaumont, Texas. In his formative years, Russell's family located to Shreveport, Louisiana, where he was exposed to one of the richest hotbeds for roots-based music. At 17, he began to play in various bars and venues across the state, and in the early 90s, he relocated to Austin, Texas. In 1994, he became a member of the cult classic band The Gourds, which lasted until 2013. Since then, Russell has been performing as Shiny Ribs, a musical hodgepodge of anything from gritty swamp rock to smooth soul to just flat-out groovy tunes. He's also the purveyor of one of the most fun and entertaining live shows one can possibly see. Russell's timeline exemplifies not only a part of where Americana music started officially, but hopefully where it's going. So join us as our host, Robert Earl Keane, speaks with Kevin Russell about a surrealist take on songwriting, the addition of Shiny Ribs to Keane's annual Merry Christmas from the Famo Lee tour this year, and Americana music as the Alamo. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st state.
1: Hello, my name is Robert Earl Keene, and this is the Americana Podcast, the 51st State. Today we are speaking with Kevin Russell of the band Shiny Ribs, and we are at the Zone Recording Studio in Dripping Springs. Kevin, I want to thank you for being here with us today.
2: Sure, thanks for having me. Good to be here.
1: If you don't mind, I'll just jump right in and yeah. ask you about uh, the office, A.K. Inoteca. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah, know, I got you know who got me into that was Jenny Finley. She that was that's her office, and I started going there, and uh, it's just a nice little place to meet, you know. And uh, the zucchini fries are
1: to die for. <laughs> 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 so, if you, if like, say, I were to meet you in Austin or mm-hmm. something, you'd say, hey, Often I
2: would you. go there. Uh, lately, I like to go, when the weather's nice, I like to go to Cosmic as well, uh-huh. which is a fun place. Open uh, air kind of thing? It's an open air deal, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: All right, I'm going to go back uh, a little bit if you don't mind. Uh, uh, you're from Beaumont, Texas? Originally? Yes, sir.
2: Born mm-hmm. in Beaumont.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, your uh, mother took you to see Elvis when you were eight? This is. That's a, right, yeah. yeah
2: got go. to see Elvis Presley in Lake Charles Convention Center in 1975. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, my mom wanted to go, so my dad really took my mom, and me and my sister Jennifer were taken along. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so um blew my mind. Uh-huh. Um, what really blew my mind was when my mom ran to the front of the stage and left us there. <laughs> <laughs> I was proud. I, at the time, I was traumatized, but I'm proud of her now for it. Um,
1: <laughs> so she was a big Elvis fan. She's
2: a big, big Elvis fan. Both of my parents are. and yeah. The whole family is. And we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, I have pictures of Elvis around my house. In mm-hmm. um, a Velvet Elvis out in my studio. Nice. I've always had a Velvet Elvis somewhere in my life.
1: Ah, uh-huh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so is there, was there one particular thing you remember, the best, other than your mom running up to the stage, just about Elvis? I remember,
2: well, I remember the, the opening, Space Odyssey opening, uh, I mean, that's, and then oh, C.C. Rider. Oh, that whole opening, I mean, it just, it's, it was one of the great walk-ons of all
1: time, And this was the white Elvis, not the black Elvis, dressed in white, right? Yeah, he had the sun
2: suit. He was a little, um, maybe getting a little overweight at that point, maybe. Uh
1: (laughs) So was music a big part of your childhood? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we listened to records all the time. My mom and dad are big music fans, and uh, my dad played a little guitar, and that's kind of how I got into wanting to play the guitar, just seeing him do it Uh with his friends, uh, camping trips and Family gatherings he'd play salty dog and stuff uh-huh. like that, you right, know right. And, um, and he even wrote a song for my mom once. I remember him playing it for everybody um beautiful song um and as far as I know, it's the only song he he wrote, but mm-hmm. it was a beautiful song. I remember everybody crying oh and just boy. it was a, I, it really moved me to see my dad do something like that yeah so and and me and my sisters we would we would work up dance routines to. Records, uh, you know, we just—I was—we are always singing and dancing around the house. So,
1: and you—you you started uh, playing music when you were about fourteen.
2: Yeah, fourteen. I started playing the guitar. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I okay. wanted, you know, I—I I wanted to at an earlier age. I was always trying to talk my friends into learning instruments and starting a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always what I wanted to do. And <clears throat> so finally, I was like, well, I guess I should learn an instrument if I'm telling my friends to learn it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and one day, me and a buddy were like messing around with my dad's old guitars. He had a few old ones under the bed that didn't have all the strings, but we were just making noise. And, mm-hmm. and so, my mom, when my dad got home from work, my mom, you know, informed him that I'd been in that room all day making noise with a guitar. Maybe mm-hmm. he might want to ask if I wanted to learn to play it. So he did. He came in and he asked. I remember being terrified when my dad asked that. You want to learn to play that thing? And uh, to me, that's what my dad did. So I didn't feel
3: mm-hmm. I could, mm-hmm.
2: but the, I'm glad I did say yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I did want to learn it. And uh, he's like, Well, the way I learned is he gave me a folk song book, like a hundred folk songs, mm-hmm. and a Mel Bay chord book. Right. He's like, This is how I learned. He's right. like, Here's the songs. Here's the chords. Mm-hmm. Go, go to it. He showed me uh, G D an E minor, and kind of showed me Proud Mary.
1: And so when you, uh, when you first picked up the guitar, did, 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 was it something that felt natural to you? Did you? I mean, did you feel an affinity towards it at all?
2: I, I, well, I liked the whole idea of, yeah. of writing songs. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I was already writing words uh-huh. at that point uh-huh. and had been since I was a kid. But So I wanted to be a songwriter. That was the my goal, and I knew this was my easiest way to that. Uh, we had had a piano around, but I did not understand the piano at all. So it did make more sense to me than the piano, the guitar did, when mm-hmm. I had it in my hands. It was still difficult, though, when you start learning those chords and making your fingers. First song you ever learned? You was Proud Mary." Oh, wow. And then I wrote a song that sounded a lot like "Proud Mary."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you started playing uh, in in a biker bar when you're seventeen. Yeah, so
2: yeah, we moved a little bit. Um, so if we'd have stayed in Beaumont, I really think that I would have been Jay Novacek. But mm. um, we moved. <laughs> My plan was I was going to play for the Dallas Cowboys. But, um, uh-huh. So we moved to Houston. Uh, there was a big oil boom. And my dad worked for an oil supply company. Uh-huh. Um, he was a computer programmer, uh-huh. which is a weird thing to be back then. Uh-huh. Um, so we moved to Houston in the big oil boom in the early 80s there. And um, I just that's when I started focusing on writing songs. I was pulled away from my... My childhood, my all my friends, I was sort of by myself and mm-hmm. had to make new friends and so the friends I made were other musicians and who were in, and we formed our first little bands in uh, in Houston there in Humble, actually is where I was on Lake Houston mm-hmm. off nineteen sixty over there mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so then eventually then there was the big oil bust a couple of years later <laughs> and, I recall and we got moved uh, my dad's company got bought, and we got moved to Shreveport. And uh, and that's where I, I formed a band with a, a guy I met at a, a pizza place there I worked at. And uh, that was the first gig we got. He got us a gig at the Café Directoire, <laughs> which is right between the heavy metal bar, Circle in the Square, and Bill Bush's Moulin Rouge, which mm-hmm. was kind of a little jazz club, All Right. kind of a pretty fun place. But anyway, yeah, I, and the drinking age was still 18, uh-huh. so at 17 with my neck beard I could pass for 18 pretty well. Yeah. And nobody in Louisiana really checked IDs or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. It was pretty right. Pretty laissez-faire place right. still yeah. is, you yeah. Know, and yeah. you got to love that about Louisiana. But um so yeah, we started playing in this little biker bar mm-hmm. and uh the dude that ran it he liked us and we'd play there once a week usually. And that's kind of how we, how I started.
1: So um, I want to talk about your history with uh, with the music scenes. Uh, I, I read that then you did move to Dallas, and then you sort of bounced from Dallas down to Austin. That's yeah. how that
2: worked? Yeah, I was in Shreveport for a while. And uh, so whenever, like, an Austin band, I was well aware of what was going on in Austin at the time and True Believers and Zeitgeist and um, Wild Seeds and those kind of bands. I was into all that. And uh so whenever one of those bands would play in Shreveport, which was occasional, we oh. always opened for them. Oh. I remember the Wild Seeds one time, Mike Hall and um Chris uh McKay. Mm-hmm. I remember both of them taking me aside and they're like, "Man, you should really be in Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, you should like leave here and go." <laughs> right. But I had a I had a great girlfriend in Shreveport and the speed limit was still fifty-five, if you remember, and so to get from Shreveport to Austin like took forever. Forever, yeah. it was horrible, and uh, so we sort of split the difference, and mm. we figured let's move to Dallas, and then we can still hit Shreveport, and we had we had fans in Shreveport, and we made money there, and so we could hit Shreveport, and we could come down to Austin too, and that was the idea anyway. So we moved to Dallas, and for a couple of years, and didn't really didn't really do do much there but it was the the dark days of white funk in Dallas so yeah i ended up <clears throat> coming to austin eventually because every time i came to austin it just had this feeling about it mm-hmm. i just loved the feel of it mm-hmm. it was just you could feel it, mm-hmm. it in the air and uh and just everybody i met it just seemed like the place I should be.
1: So this was the genesis of the gourds? <clears throat> yeah,
2: basically. <clears throat> so that band was called the Picket Line Coyotes from uh-huh. Shreveport. Right. And uh, Jimmy had joined us. Our bass player eventually had to... He had. He was married, had kids, and so he, he moved. He quit, and uh, we needed a bass player. And Jimmy, we found Jimmy in Dallas. <clears throat> he joined the Coyotes. And we moved to Austin, uh-huh. and... um. Then that band broke up, and a couple of years later, we kind of got some the gourds together because we still wanted to do something, and and so that, yeah, that's how it happened. We were called the Grackles at first. We used to play Chicago house, right? Um,
1: as in the Grackles, the birds. As yeah, in the birds. Okay. Uh, yeah
2: I, I had never experienced those birds <laughs> until I came to Central Texas. And, yeah. Yes, I did They weren't in Louisiana. Those birds. Um. I remember in Waco is where I first heard a grackle. I was yeah. like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you
1: named yourself after a bird that's hard to get rid of? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I loved grackles. I still love grackles. Yeah. I
2: think they're fascinating. I mean, they've stolen my tacos off my plate, but so I, <laughs> but I still love them.
3: <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good taco. I would steal it, too, if I were you.
1: So tell me about the initial uh, Gord's record, Dem's Good People. Dem's Good Beeble,
2: yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we formed in... Uh, Sorry, Dem's Good Beeble. Beeble, yeah.
1: Let's, uh, <laughs> let, what, 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 tell me about that title then. All right.
2: Uh, it, it just came um, it came off of Jimmy's house. So Jimmy was uh, the other songwriter in the Gord's and bass player, um, Jimmy Smith. Uh, he had this little house. We called it the Steamy Bowl. Um, it's a whole nother story, but uh, it was in constant entropy, you know, trees were growing into it, it was over there off Depew, 51st, kind of off the railroad tracks there, set way off the road, and that's where we formed that band, and, and we would have a lot of gatherings in there, It was, it's just where we hung out, uh, my bachelor party was there at that house, and so, that we would write things on the wall. There was just graffiti and things written, poetry written all over the walls of that house. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that was written on the walls was (laughs) "Dims Good (laughs) people," And I want to say Claude's brother, John, wrote that on the wall, um, John Bernard. So, uh, and it's just a, you know, a dialect of those are good people. (laughs) I'm not sure where he got it, but, It was just when it came time to make the first record, we used elements of everything that was in that house as part of the artwork and the title and the feel. of That's kind of what... Everything we did sort of grew out of that house. So it was us just sort of paying tribute to that that vibe and that feel.
1: So your first experience... uh, uh, I'm I'm guessing that your first experience in the studio wasn't with the gourds, is that correct? Well... Are the, are the for for
2: multi track recording I yeah. th- it was with yeah. the Gorza. I right. mean, I'd done a lot of live to two track recording with the coyotes. We couldn't right. afford right. anything else. We'd make cassettes and we'd go in and we were tight uh-huh. live and so we'd go in and record live to two track and uh-huh. we put out two or three cassettes uh-huh. that way. Uh-huh. And they're pretty good. Yeah. But uh, you know, at the time it was like we couldn't afford to go into a studio and do right. multi track recording, so we just did what we could do. It was a pretty DIY situation we were in, so, but so we the, the first Gord's record we uh, enlisted Mike Stewart, um, who became our manager, and um, he got an ADAP machine. We went out to um, at the time she was my girlfriend, she became my wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> Robin, mm-hmm. uh, her her family's ranch out near um, out near Comfort, mm-hmm. off the of old San Antonio road there near um, Luchenbach. Uh So they have an old an old house that um, no one was really living in. They would just use it on weekends. So we went set up in there with an the ADAP machine. We lived out there for two weeks and made uh, our first three Gorge records we made that way. At and the at, same studio. At the, yeah, and just a house, uh-huh. basically like this, just a rock house. and Right. And, uh, yeah, we'd cook and lived out there together for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. just all day, all night recording. And It was a great way to make records. I mean... Sonically, maybe not ideal, but we got the performances that we wanted. That's what we were after. So.
1: so, did you embrace the studio experience from the from the very beginning, or was it somewhat intimidating?
2: Oh all? no, I I liked it. Oh. Um, no, I mean, I I don't know if I still to this day if really understand how to do it. Yeah, well. <laughs> like I just, I just do what I do, and um, there are a lot of things I've learned since then, but. Um, I was never intimidated by it. I was always intrigued by it and excited by it. I uh-huh. still I love recording and um, arranging so if
3: you see me.
1: So um, the Gord's album uh, "Blood on the Ram," uh, yeah, blood, blood, blood blood of, of the, the ram, ram yeah, right. The is ram. is that some some sort of is does that have anything to do with the uh, uh, blood of the lamb kind of thing? Is it's a, a play on that. Yeah, it's a play on that. And it's, in that, yeah. well, in what way? Um, I w- I
2: was just writing a mythical, sort of a crypto mythical mythical song. Uh-huh. Um, I think my idea was. Um, It was about uh, a ram, a mythical ram who wandered the countryside and people worshipped it.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's just just an
2: idea, a surreal idea, um, a little bit of a psychedelic thing going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, you you travel in... uh Surreal ideas quite d- a bit. I do. Yeah, I
2: do. Yeah, I I was talking to my uh, my youngest son, uh, Harlan, a couple nights ago. He's he's been writing and uh, he's a good writer, fourteen years old. But he was writing and uh, and I started talking to him about writing. And I was like, "So uh, what are you writing?" He goes, "Hey, eh, you know, I'm just writing." I was like, "Cool." I was like, "You are a writer." Huh? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I like to write." He said, "A lot of my friends write." He's like, but D, you know, they're really into protagonists, and like I like to destroy the protagonist early, <laughs> <laughs> and then deal with what's left. And I was like, that's what I like to do. Yeah, really, I, yeah. I mean, I've never yeah. been a, a, a traditional narrative writer. Right. I, I mean, I love that kind of writing, but right. for my style and what I've done, I mean, I've gotten more linear as I've gotten older. But right. when I was younger, especially, I was. I was real into uh, the impressionistic writing. I liked images and I wasn't so much about the central narrative it was about mm-hmm. the things around it and I have a background in poetry I've always written poetry and 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 uh, anyway, so that's kind of where I come from is I've always just liked um, using words in as images to create images or to create feelings right mm-hmm. and I feel like that was my idea was um um that you can it's the sound of words mm-hmm. and and when they're put together in certain ways they they just feel a certain way to me mm-hmm. uh and so i was always just experimenting with that mm-hmm. and i still do mm-hmm. uh, that's a, but i have i ha- i did realize that people need they need a, some kind of story. They need something because people are in the Gord's days, especially. I just got so many questions about what the hell is that song about. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, Well, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, we'd be here maybe for a couple of hours, right. you know, and you'd be bored if I told you. But that's why I wrote the song, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't have to explain it. But um, yeah, so I don't know that if I was, there were certain ones that came out well. Some I, I think Blood of the Ram, I thought was a cool song. Mm. It was basically taking a Whalen Jennings musical idea mm. and writing surreal mm. surreal lyrics over the top right. of it, and that's really all it was. Mm. and uh, I just thought it would be fun to explore a surreal a surreal mythical cryptozoological image over Whalen's right a Whalen vibe. Yeah, right. and of course, that made right. Sturgill Simpson famous, so <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work that way for me, but I like the idea yeah.
3: No!
1: So back to the uh, the idea of words just fitting together. The song Lower Forty Eight. I'm yeah. co- pretty much amazed at how you. First of all, are all forty eight states in there?
2: I think they are. Yeah. I'm. I'm pretty sure. I'm. I but check me on that.
1: Well, I mean, it's amazing, and they. You know, they all you put them together so well, they just sound like. Well, yeah this is supposed to be like this
3: mm-hmm. you know? right.
2: the way that song came out it's fun it's it's good well i we have this old friend j r in from montana mm-hmm. missoula montana uh old greenpeace guy oh. just a hell raising guy yeah. awesome dude and uh that was one of his um Catchphrases. was mm-hmm. the Lower 48. Right. It was always, it was always, you know, oh, you know, Montana. You know, we have. Uh, there's more grizz here than anywhere in the Lower 48.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he and like racket in his rig, he's always talking about that's in there. I, mm. A lot of his little catchphrases are in that song. So it's right. a little tribute to my friend Jr. Yeah, who who's still out there. Love you, Jr. And um, but then <clears throat> sort of the 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 idea of the song. <clears throat> Came from me and my son were watching the Texas Oklahoma game one day, and they're they were beating the hell out of us. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and so it started with, I think with that Oklahoma line mm. in there, which is Oklahoma is dirty red mean Native American slot machine. <laughs> nice. I was just a little bit. Yeah. I was just kind of pissed off and right. like writing right some of my <laughs> right. So I was like, hmm, I could write <clears throat> I could write something about every state in the Big Twelve, uh-huh. you know. And then I was like, oh, I could expand this to the whole lower forty. I could yeah, at the end I could just list all the states, you yeah. know, and make them rhyme. And yeah. so that's kind of how it came about, just um uh, just writing one or two lines about each state that, you know, I just first thing that came to my mind about that state. So
1: Impressive. Yeah. It <laughs> it, it 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 comes together <coughs> yeah. in such a uh an amazing way. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm I, don't, I don't even think I would even try to tackle something. So. <laughs> it uh, was
2: an experiment, uh, and, it, it, and it worked. Yeah. You know So sometimes you you start on an experiment song wise, and it doesn't work. There's a lot of those, but <clears throat> that one definitely I'm proud of came out well.
3: blow
1: So uh, you uh, uh, announced your official hiatus with the <coughs> Gordons in 2013? That's correct. Yeah. So that was, ju- mm-hmm. that was just, that was just, that's kind of the end, really. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. I think it
2: was, I mean, we still could re- regroup at some point. And I'm right. open to that. And right. I'm sure, I don't know if all of them are, but, right. um, you know, I've been open to that. I'm, I'm, right. I'm a pretty open-minded person. Right. And, uh but um,
1: I think. But it's, you're it's a, moving on. Yeah, yeah, I think we were yeah. all ready to move on. Yeah.
2: And, and that's kind of what the idea was. We, I don't know if we had the heart to say it was over. Right. Yeah, know, that, really. But so.
1: <laughs> when I was reading <laughs> that, I thought, I know what that feels <laughs> like. I, it, it,
2: it is so tough. You it's know? it's really it, tough. Yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. was really tough. But I think it was really bad. David Green called
3: me to pick him up everywhere Said to bring in some cold beer And a fresh clean shirt Said he was already broke But he just got paid We spent the rest of the night Singing by
1: so uh, if we can move on to uh shiny ribs and um i i read or read where uh you were somewhat inspired by Ringo Starr saying, "Trust your instinct
2: oh well yeah, he always i mean that's one quote uh, he always said trust your gut, mm-hmm. you know trust your first mm-hmm. your first feeling about it you mm-hmm. know and <clears throat> and i mean i've always really followed that mm-hmm. i've just followed my uh, my intuition or my first feeling about things mm-hmm. and yeah so <clears throat> but the shiny ribs thing i mean i certainly that my performance style is based on that what, whatever happens i i've just i became fearless about through the gourds, i became more fearless right. and 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 the shiny, and and the cords shi- the interpersonal agreements where I could only go so far right. with my stage show, right? Because there was a equity sure question right. there. So, yeah. but so, but once I had the Shinerus thing and it was all my stage, then I could just follow whatever impulse I had on stage, within reason and laws, you know.
1: Right, <laughs> right. So was this a seed that started, you know, like w- way back in the back of your mind, and then you know came to fruition?
2: Yeah. It, well, it kind of just grew. It grew organically from just doing it uh-huh so i didn't start out to be what i am now uh-huh. that's kind of um i didn't know what i was going to do with it I, it was really just um a monthly gig i had in houston uh-huh. uh at my friend's club uh under the volcano right my friend pete mitchell in houston gave me this monthly gig uh-huh. and so that's kind of how it started and and then from there it grew I started adding people. Right. And just I could just try out all different kinds of songs and formed this formed a little uh, following there. People would come monthly to see the show, and right. so yeah. Eventually, we you know had this this uh, quartet of me and Keith, who was from the gourds right. and, and uh, Jeff Brown as the bass player and right. Winfield Cheek, the keyboard player. That was the quartet. I call it the original quartet, and um, that's that was it for a few years. We just did the quartet. Uh-huh. and just explored this. And then came the horns, this wedding. Uh-huh. Um, gosh, Frank, I can't even remember his name. I just feel bad Frank James. Yeah, <laughs> it was, anyway. <laughs> Jesse's he, brother. Yeah, I, 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 I should remember his name because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I, I thank him every time I see yeah. him. You know? uh-huh. I'm like, dude, you're the guy. Because yeah. you, he, he said, look, I want you to hire horns and I want you to play these songs. Um, it was like hard to handle and... Uh-huh. Loving and Cup, you know, there were certain songs he wanted. Uh-huh. And it was just, he was a fan and that's what he wanted. And I was uh-huh. like, okay. And so, you know, and he paid me extra to hire horns uh-huh. and met those guys, the Tijuana train wreck horns uh-huh. through uh, Uncle Lucius. They were playing with Uncle Lucius right. about that time. And that's how I met them and hired them for the wedding and rehearsing. I, You know, during rehearsing for that wedding, I was just really excited about having horns. Uh-huh.
1: So transition from band member to band leader mm-hmm. must have been somewhat uh, just, uh, uh, f- you know, freed you up. Exactly, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. The exuberance and the energy of Shiny Ribs shows are all about liberation. Right. You know, and to, yeah. to this day, I just feel so free right um
1: well it shows (laughs) there's no doubt i mean i mean let's talk about that for a minute i mean your live shows are just completely Mm -hmm. almost off the hook yeah and they're Mm -hmm. and that's what you hear from everybody but also you know like the thing is is like i've seen you play enough times where i I really i'm just like totally into the music right you know yeah like like the show grabs you right Exactly. But the music yeah. is what keeps you, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot
2: mm-hmm. going on, and it, yeah, I, lo- I love high energy shows, and I love I love big um, soul review shows like James Brown. I just love love that stuff hadn't so much. Brought out the cape
1: yet? Or anything. <laughs> I have a, ca- I do have a, a
2: an LED cloak that I sometimes bring out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it on the Christmas tour though. I promise.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so the uh, the one uh, the lineup of the band today is mm-hmm. is the original. What did you call them?
2: The the Shiny Soul Sisters? No, the so, the original four. Oh, the original, original quartet. Yeah, original same cor- same quartet. four guys. Uh uh-huh. huh. Keith Langford, who's, uh-huh. who's also in the gourds uh-huh. and um, he's my brother-in-law uh-huh. as well. Okay, married his uh, sister years ago, and uh, and Winfield Cheek, who plays keyboards, and um, who I call the Forrest Gump of rock and roll. And Jeff Brown, <laughs> <laughs> our bass
1: player, Joe. Come, Jeff come Brown. on, you gotta. Go. <laughs> you, 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 you have to expand on that okay, just for yeah. a second. No, you really. <laughs> you, I mean,
2: Wimfield Cheek is a fascinating, fascinating man. Um, he was a waiter at uh, Studio 54. Oh, wow. Yeah. He uh, got hit on by Charles Nelson Riley.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has so oh, many stories. You ruined the match game for me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
3: different oh, kind of match good. game. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then he moved out to um, LA, where he worked at a, uh, a rehearsal complex, and he has so many stories of. of I mean, it just feels like. Uh, and then he uh, he. He was dating Conway Twitty's daughter when Whoa. Conway Twitty died, so he went to Conway Twitty's funeral, and then he, for the reception, he figured he should stop and get some food. You know, that's what you do. Uh-huh. So he stops at Kentucky Fried Chicken, got a bucket of chicken, and but that and that made the gossip pages the next day that there was a bucket <laughs> of Kentucky Fried. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's just been everywhere, yeah. and he has so many stories and he, and things that we don't even expect. He'll just say. Um, It's crazy yeah. So, And and he's not making it up I mean, it's just yeah. sort of Matter of fact He's like, oh yeah I, I fired them You know Matchbox 20 They were rehearsing And my boss told me They trashed the rehearsal So I had to go fire them I kicked <laughs> them out
3: <laughs> <Wow>.
2: <laughs> Stuff like that, you know wow. Like, you're like, man just <laughs> It's just It's In- endless It's yeah, endless That's, yeah, why, that's yeah. why I call him The Forrest Gump of rock and roll
1: Yeah so. So uh then the, the then the Shiny Soul sisters mm-hmm. and, and
2: they weren't date. so we replaced um it was Sally Allen was originally uh-huh. her and Alice Spencer um were the original Shiny Soul sisters and Sally moved on um kind of a couple of years ago uh, and Kelly jumped uh-huh. on board at that uh-huh. point uh and so Kelly originally I did ask Kelly first uh huh uh, her and Sally are the first two I asked, and Kelly was too busy at the time, so it was cool we got to come around full circle. And she got eventually got on board. And so glad to have her. And once she joined, her and Alice just synced up, and uh-huh. the dancing really became a focus. A thing, of, yeah, because yeah, before that the, there wasn't as much dancing. I've always danced, but they yeah. didn't always dance. So, yeah. uh, and occasionally I do hire some dancers. There's four dancers called the Riblets.
1: Uh-huh. Okay.
2: <laughs> I wanted to call the Shiny Soul Sisters the Riblets, but I said I can't call them that. Yeah. That right. that would not be. I don't think anyone would want to be a Riblet. <laughs> they still get called the Riblets and yeah. they, it kind of makes them mad. So let's make the let's make the record straight. They're not the Riblets of the Shiny the Soul Sisters. Baby
3: I need that to pay down my loan. I hopped all my twos when I broke my phone sour lake, just a nickel to my name. My cousin, come, me and Take me to Take me lake, Take me, to Take me, to Take me to
1: So, before we get too far down the road, to- your, t- the name of the band, Shiny Ribs, mm-hmm. origin.
2: Well, I have a lot of stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: let's pick your best one. All right. <laughs> no, to be honest with you,
2: not, I'll, be not honest with you. Okay, I'll be honest. Your most surreal one. I'll be honest with you. I mean, for the uh, average uh, music uh, writer, I'm not going to be honest. But for uh, yeah, Robert, I'll uh, be honest yeah. with you. It's how I came about it. It was really just a meditation on light and dark things. I was. Um, at the time my nephew he was a young young guy uh and he was really into this show called Shiny Time Station mm-hmm. it was a PBS kids show mm-hmm. so when i visited my folks and saw my nephew he'd walk around all the time saying it's shiny time that's how the show started apparently <laughs> and that was his thing it was his and so at the time i was really had that in my head it's shiny time and yeah. i was also into the idea i was writing a lot about uh, ribs mm. and the, the darkness, mm. you know, there's these ribs inside of us and the, the biblical story of the ribs mm-hmm. and these m- other mythological ideas and the image of the ribs. So I was just really into that, writing a lot about that. Right. And so to me, ribs were in, in a dark place, uh-huh. you know. Right. Um, so to it's light and dark to me, like shiny right. ribs. Right. So it's a bit of an oxymoron. It's right, a, right. No, shiny ribs and compare and, uh, and contrast. Yeah. yeah. And I have a friend uh a, 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 a mentor in Seattle named Baby Gramps who's a musician and if you've ever seen or heard of him you should check him out.
1: <laughs> Baby Gramps is sort yeah. of uh, Yeah. So Light and it's the same too, yeah. it's the same idea. Yeah. He right. he
2: really turned me into a spoonerizer like I turn words around all the time and ah. like instead of parking spot it's sparking pot, you know, uh-huh. things like that. Right. Uh, but anyway, so that was kind of the inspiration for it honestly is and you is, call
1: that spoonerism spoonerisms yeah. yeah when
2: you turn the first letter of each word around to create
1: i don't think I'm fast enough to do that Oh, yeah, well, you are <laughs> you, if you start doing it you won't be able to stop yourself so i
2: i i warn you i warn you be careful understand
3: the way you're looking at me just me because...
1: was your first uh shiny ribs record well after a while is that the mm-hmm. that's the original yeah one with the horns and mm-hmm. the, the whole thing and well
2: no i that the horns weren't on that so yeah, the, that's first, what I was thinking, the first first two, two records did not have horns it was right. just the quartet right uh well after a while and gulf coast museum and we made those with george reef right at the finishing school and uh and then Okra Candy was really the first record. So it had half, it, half of it doesn't have horns. And then but the horns came around and I finished that record with the horns. And mm-hmm. that's kind of half and half. That one mm-hmm. it has the horns on it. And so the first record with horns and then I added the two singers, the Shiny Soul Sisters uh-huh. after Okra Candy is I Got Your Medicine. And that really is uh-huh. the I- first.
1: What, we, rhythms, consider what shiny, we consider Shiner's
2: is the first full band yeah, record. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I,
1: I do want to ask you about uh, who who built the moon, though. Yeah, uh, I, I, I lo, love the song. Yeah, and um, my specific uh, question is uh, when it gets to the part where where um, you you wouldn't we wouldn't have the moon to look at is does that mean we wouldn't be here at all or we wouldn't have mm. the have something to mm. hang our grief on you mm. know
2: yeah i to me it yeah it would be the second the second yeah right, right. i mean i think well we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the moon right but <laughs> right, right, right. but i'm i'm not getting into any science in there yeah it is it is qualitative and more than quantitative but um yeah so I'm a romantic. So.
1: And the <laughs> genesis of that song?
2: Um, um, the old uh, Art Bell show, Coast to Coast AM. Yeah, I'm sure you've listened to yeah. plenty of that right. late at night. I used to listen to that all the time. Um, and one night, heard a guy on there who wrote a book called Who Built the Moon. Mm-hmm. It was a whole conspiracy theory about... Mm-hmm. The Mm -hmm. moon was deliberately built by someone. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) and he has a lot. I mean, it's a pretty in-depth thing, and so I just was captivated by that title, right? And the idea, and it—it really, I got out of bed at four in the morning or something, and wrote some line, wrote some of those lines down because it just started coming to me just immediately. Like this whole, I saw the guy, I saw, you know person building the moon
1: but it's more romance fantasy Absolutely. right instead sure. of sure instead of like yeah. some kind of conspiracy no no i'm not
2: coming from <laughs> <laughs> no no but
1: because <coughs> it's really beautiful it's I mean, a beautiful heart, song heartbreakingly yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah
2: right yeah so yeah i mean there are a lot of ways to read it and that's that's the way i like to write where it, it, you know there's a lot of possibilities there.
1: Right. Let there. the mystery be like uh, yeah. Iris DeMint says. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Then yeah.
3: he covered it up Wind dust
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to our interview with Kevin Russell shortly. The season is almost upon us at Americana Podcast, and it's our holiday mission to explore and expand on the genre of Americana, even in Christmas music. With special help from our friend and not so secret Santa Will Vote, this is Will's pick. Kathleen Edwards, It's Christmas Time, Let's Just Survive, from the dual tone Christmas compilation. Kathleen Edwards is a Canadian alt-country singer-songwriter who released three very well-received records between 2003 and 2008. Her debut album, Failure, included two such hits, Six O'Clock News and Hockey Skates, that demonstrated her sharp eye for personal situations and her ability to capture humor and relationships. When her distinctive sopranos added to a rocking alt-country sound, the result is incredible. The following albums, Back to Me and Asking for Flowers, were well-reviewed and charted in Canada and the U.S., in 2014, though, Edwards abruptly announced her retirement from the music business and opened a coffee shop in Canada called Quitters. Now she is back and has a song on a forthcoming compilation, A Dual Tone Christmas. Her song, It's Christmas Time, Let's Just Survive, is a welcome addition to a long tradition of humorous Christmas songs. But I don't even have a CD player. It's Christmas time. Let's just survive. size and dad's mashed potatoes but he's four martinis in so he doesn't notice someone let the dog lick the gravy boat and now the air in here
3: is unbearable <laughs> all right
1: so we're going to move on to christmas here uh you did a 2000 we did the we did this 2018 Christmas tour mm-hmm. together and um you, the record the Christmas record that you made was 2018 Yeah I made it for that for yeah, that reason for that, yeah. I was
2: like well I'm going to do all these Christmas shows I yeah. should make finally make a Christmas record I'd never done one so
1: yeah and the the cringle tingle i mean it's like it's like fun and stuff no. and it and its you know it kind of borders on a little bit of novelty, but it's not it's like yeah, a real thing sure. you know oh yeah
2: no it it, is, it has novelty it, uh, it, intentions it, but uh, yeah but it's fun music and the it's all real solid performances and yeah. the songs are all really, really good i think but um I played around a lot with with right. with it took some Like you know, like uh, Santa's got a brand new bag. I just I just copped the James Brown song (laughs) and changed changed the lyrics. I can't believe he never did that. I was like, he must have.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it was too. He did Santa Claus go straight to the ghetto. Yeah. He did that one, but he never did Santa's got a brand new bag. Like he must have at some point. Somebody at least mentioned it to him. I imagine. You think? But (laughs) I couldn't find it. Oh hell! So I was like, well, I'm gonna do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then uh, let's see. I, I love uh, I, I love Santa from Atlanta. I mean, that yeah. man. That's that one's yeah. really just one beautiful Christmas song. It is a
2: beautiful song, yeah,
1: and it's, a beautiful idea. I love that, like Santa being late, but yeah. it's okay. You know? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, he'll yeah, right. be here later. Don't yeah. you worry. Yeah. yeah, it's so fantastic. Yeah,
2: it's a beautiful song. I was kind of going for the, um, you know, Merle Haggard. If we make it through December, kind mm-hmm. of vibe. You know, right. I always love that. So. Every year, I write a couple of Christmas songs just for myself, right. just because it's the spirit of the time, and I'm writing, and right. it's going to make its way in, and
3: right.
1: and that's one I, I've
2: always loved. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah,
1: man, I just yeah. loved it. Uh, so, yeah, you, what what is your favorite Christmas record? And mm. uh, let me just say, single is our favorite <laughs> Christmas song. You
2: know, I mean, I love Elvis. Yeah, Christmas, and so. When I listen to Christmas music I don't like a lot of Contemporary Christmas music And, and it was part of why I never made a Christmas record I was like Eh There's enough Christmas music Isn't there mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean Because I love mm-hmm. Dean Martin And mm-hmm. Nat King Cole and Right That's And You know The um, um, The Peanuts Christmas record You know mm-hmm. that, I like old mm-hmm. Old Christmas music Like that mm-hmm. Early 20th century Bing Crosby that's the stuff I love. And that's stuff I'll listen to on Christmas Day that'll be playing all day.
3: Don't you cry Santa's coming to Atlanta Sometimes he don't get here Till later in the day Don't you Sometimes Santa Comes later in the afternoon
1: Can but, we talk about uh, the new record? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fog and Bling. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, uh, I would really like to just... Well, I know that it's a line in a song, but I mean... yeah. Uh, over overall, the the title of that is mm-hmm. what.
2: Um, it just sort of captures to me the record itself is uh, it is <laughs> it is a bit unclear, it's a bit foggy, uh-huh. but it's 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 bright yeah. and, and it's there's a lot musically. It's a lot of bang, a lot of crazy things going on in there.
1: Yeah, I I really felt like you were exploring some new sounds and some yeah. new oh, yeah. direction there. I was, I yeah. did,
2: yeah. I, um, I, it's just a record I want to make. Every record to me is that way. I just um, I don't I don't really make the same record twice. I don't right. want to. Um, so uh, I always think of the Stones, you know, and that run they had with like Beggars Banquet and Sticky Fingers and Let It Bleed. Out. Those records are all so different, right? And they're all so great, right? So that's always in my mind. Like I want to make a great record, but I don't want it to be like the last one, right? right. Um, I could make another record like. I right. got your medicine, right? But why? You know, yeah. why would I do that? So, um, and uh, so that record just grew out of uh, a lot of home recordings. Uh, really? Of, yeah, just stuff I did at home, and a lot of that—the original recordings of these—those are based on those home recordings. So, and I took it to Church House Studio uh, to sort of enhance it and oh. sonically beef it up a little bit because it was. I'm not a great engineer <laughs> when I'm at home. Let's just put it that way. Um, so that was the idea. It was uh I, I I like a lot of uh home home recording people, I fall in love with my demos and my home recordings. I always do. Mm-hmm. And and so George Reef, who passed away mm-hmm. a few years ago, um, he loved my he always loved my demos too, and he was always trying to capture that. And we had talked about just using some of the demos to make a record one day right and so and before we could get to do that he he, he left the left this mortal coil and <clears throat> so um i still wanted to do that and, and just to see what right. it, what it meant and what it would be like and that's what this record is it's just me following that idea of my home recordings and taking them in and building on them to see what it would be
1: like so proudest moment on uh Song-wise there as far as what you're talking about about mm-hmm. being a r- home recording and then yeah, moving Highway in just of
2: Diamonds is really yeah, the best song on it yeah. and it is my favorite song on it yeah. um, it's a beautiful song i i still do like my actual original demo better oh because it's just it's just darker and more uh weird you know yeah. I, I so i don't know maybe one day i'll just start putting out my demos straight just straight to the world but yeah. um i mean who cares right It's hard to know. It's hard to know. It's really hard to know. (laughs)
1: Crazy, lonely. I had a hard time. I had a hard time categorizing that song. I, yeah. I wouldn't say it's one thing or another, but it's yeah. it's effective and it's yeah really powerful. It's just yeah. I was like, is this a blues song? Is this yeah. A, you know. No, it is. It
2: is hard to know what yeah. is going on there, yeah. and and that's a lot of what I do out in my shed. You know, is yeah. I just whatever comes out comes out. And I record it and I put it together, and I just sort of entertain myself with that uh-huh. and the best stuff i try and put on a record if i can usually i take it to the band and then we f- flesh it out and it becomes a shiny rib song and there's a part of me that's a l- I regrets a little bit the way i did this I-, I just had to see it through in the original idea i had so um but in hindsight you know i think the band would have appreciated like if we have rehearsed got arrangements that worked live with the band and then went in and recorded how we that's how we did. I got your medicine. It was mm-hmm. totally live, and mm-hmm. the band really sounds great that way, and it is the best way to record with this band. Mm-hmm. so in the future, that's probably what i'll stick to. but
1: do you have a pre show or post show ritual? Not really, you know um i
2: love I love mixing it up with my fans. I like uh-huh. being out there and talking to them before a show. actually, uh-huh. I know a lot of people don't like to do that. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but it gets me kind of on their wavelength, you know, like ah. I talk to people before a show and some people say I shouldn't be out there, but I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to be sitting around doing nothing. Where
1: but is the board that has all these rules on it? Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. There are no rules. Exactly.
2: Are, right. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I like talking to people before shows and sort of just meeting them. And sometimes you, you know, it inspires you to do a song or, Right. It, it it helps me to s- just get like I said on their their frequency and who those who's out there in the audience. I like to know who's out there because yeah. uh, every audience you know so different yeah. collectively and depending on what town you're in, especially if you're in little towns, you know you get real some great people that are there right. who this may be the only show they're gonna see for months. Right, absolutely, and, you know, it's a big deal with them. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I I love meeting those people. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a ritual. I try, I, I try to warm up my voice. I, I'm not real disciplined about it. My, one of my singers, shiny soul sisters, Alice Spencer, she's really good about it, and she's gotten me to develop better habits. Helps? It. Does it help? It really does help. Yeah, yeah.
3: So many dreams. Huh. And I
1: to move on to the lighter side, uh, nice. Kevin. We are we we are around the third turn on this for sure. So okay. uh, these are pretty s- simple s- sort of things. Uh, the lighter side is just uh, just to b- kind of know what you're about in an easy way. Uh, mm-hmm. Your favorite electric guitar to play? Ooh,
2: I yeah you know, my my Gibson ES Les Paul is the one I play. It's blue. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Lucas Hubbard turned me on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Wiley's son mm-hmm. Who's newly married Congratulations mm-hmm. to him uh, Anyway, yeah That's my favorite guitar I like Gibson Electrics uh-huh. um, I have some Fenders You know, Tellys and stuff But uh, that's my favorite
1: for sure Okay, uh, favorite acoustic guitar to play <coughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily on stage on st- Yeah, not know, that's what I said, yeah Just something that you like to play
2: Yeah, I, I have I have uh, and Gibson hummingbird that I I uh, like a lot. Uh, the,
1: those yeah. are, those are s- just sweet and they easy. You know? Yeah, they are
2: sweet. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, s- and how long have you been playing the ukulele?
2: I've been playing the ukulele for oh gosh, good question. Um, I don't know, fifteen years or yeah. so. Uh, yeah. My uh, my mother-in-law uh, Myrna Langford she she gave us her old ukulele. She had when she was a little girl for our, my kids you know basically and so I tuned it up and um tuned it up and learned how to some chords so I could show my kids you know my kids were not interested but uh I was interested after I played it I was like wow this is cool mm-hmm. and I'd never really and then George Reeve had a, a six string uh ukulele um a kala it was a kala or, or no it was a uh mela mm-hmm. that's the kind of ukes I play now mela uh he had a six string, and that's kind of, I didn't even know a six string ukulele existed. And so I have a now I have a couple of eight string ukuleles that I play. This <laughs> is my thing, and those are really cool. So um,
1: those are eight separate strings, or are they no, no d- they're, they're, they're like they're a doubled. doubled like okay. a mandolin. Yeah. Okay,
2: <clears throat> two octave, two unison. Yeah. yeah, so that's and same with the six string, like two two pairs are doubled and two it. are singles. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, favorite place to write. Mm. Favorite place to
2: write? Well, I'd probably out in my, well, you know, in my truck, just driving around. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, I don't necessarily write, write but right, but I sure. think.
1: Things come to you. And though. I
2: record things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of ideas just driving around, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love to do that.
1: Uh, favorite cover song to play?
2: Mm. Mm.
3: That's
2: a good question. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we worked up Take Me to the River, Recently, which was really fun, and I, you know, the Rihanna song "Bitch Better Have My Money" is a lot of fun. <laughs> 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 That's a lot of fun to play. <laughs> Just, it has so much attitude in it. Yeah, know? right. So, uh, but then uh, you know, the 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 Fromholt song I do sometimes. I had to be crazy. Is uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that one. <sighs> There's so many. Um, often I'll sit around and do that. Uh, that Jerry Lee Lewis song, Middle Age Crazy. Oh, yeah. I love that song. It's a great song. I, I play that on the ukulele a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's so many songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think Jerry Lee gets kind of like overwhelmed with the mm-hmm. the bizarre stories and it takes away from his incredible talent. Oh, you know? I know. Mean, yeah, He, uh,
2: I love Jerry Lee. I mean, yeah. I know he's not the most uh, um, upstanding man, but... <laughs> But man, what a body of work! Yeah,
1: yeah, unbelievable. Uh, your favorite blues guitar player? Mm.
2: Hubert Sumlin, probably. From sorry, Allen, I don't from know. From Wolf days, you know no, that, okay. that 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 stinging and ah. Wolf stuff. You know, is just
1: so. Cool. Is this the guy in the movie that he tells him not to let him play? <laughs> you know this movie, Cadillac Records at all? No, it's pretty cool. It's uh, really, it's uh-huh. very, very stylistic. Uh huh. But I think they really keep with it, like historically. Yeah, I think
2: they had a real acrimonious uh, relationship. Yeah, so that sounds probably right. accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right.
1: Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, dream gig with anyone living or dead.
2: Mm. Dream gig, uh, probably Tom Waits. Ah, nice Yeah, that's, I love Tom Waits That's fantastic He's one of my great heroes
3: Nobody ever said we were compatible Nobody ever said we's meant to be No one ever suggested we should in any way be connected In the biblical Listen, I don't give a shit You
0: don't give a shit
3: A match made in hell is fantasy. Right
1: Kevin, we want to go ahead and move on to... uh, One of the main things we do here at Americana Podcast is we want to explore, expand, define the Americana genre, and uh, you, uh, you as many as much as anybody. As a matter of fact, when we first started this, mm-hmm. one of the first <laughs> things I said is like, we got to get Kevin. Oh, I mean, he's had nice. this, and he's done this, sweet. and he's done this, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah right? right? So yeah. you you have done just about it all. So mm-hmm. um, I, what three artists would you describe as Americana? Ooh,
2: I think I'd start with John Hartford. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and I would... Tom Waits would be in there as well. Um, gosh, and then um, I think I'd have to say, uh, the, uh, I, you know, so then I, then I get into problems.
1: <laughs> there are no wrong answers. There are no wrong answers.
2: I mean, uh, Jason Isbell is right. probably, I mean, the preeminent guy. Right. I mean, he's taken it to where it logically was going. And yes. He He sees that. So and he, he does it well. So right, yeah. Right.
1: So um how would you define Americana music or how would you describe it if you just had to mm-hmm. kinda explain it to somebody on an airplane, I mm-hmm.
3: guess. Yeah.
2: I would say <clears throat> it's um gosh, it's hard to explain, but it's just the music made from the elements of American all styles of American music, um, it's a fusion of all those elements mm, done in a contemporary way, Okay, I guess. Right.
1: And uh, some of the uh, elements that you do think that are uh, unique to Americana?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Folk and country seem uh, to be the overriding right. part of it. Um, When I say folk, I mean, you know, the singer-songwriter genre. Uh It seems to be the dominant force in Americana. Uh But, I mean, blues is there, soul is there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a little jazz, you know, Mm -hmm. not a lot of jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could use a little more blues and jazz. (laughs) Influence. That's all I'm saying. But <laughs> a little more groove would, wouldn't
0: hurt. You know, like, so Doug Psalm, you know, Doug Psalm is,
2: belongs in that. A little more that. groove. A little more groove. Go. A little yeah. more Doug Psalm <laughs> would be good. <laughs>
1: Well, no, I, I, that's, a, that's part of this whole uh, qu- yeah. question is, uh, yeah. you know, you know, what else can we add to Americana? What, what, mm-hmm. what will make it more yeah. palpable to, you know, mm-hmm. just the par- people out Yeah, there, you know? So yeah. Well, groove I mean, would, is a
2: good answer. Groove is always good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
1: would you describe yourself as Americana?
2: I, I would reluctantly do so. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, again, it's part of the, you. You get into music business and marketing, and you know things that I don't like to talk about much. But um, you have to think about, and Americana is it. Yeah. I mean, really, it's like, it's like the Alamo. You know, yeah. we're all running to it, and that's where we're going to have to hold up. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to fight them off. <laughs>
3: You, man, sir, are the it, Davy Crockett of Americano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is too good. Yeah. I,
1: I, I'm afraid you're going to hear that as a soundbite. That's fine. Thing, That's sure. fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Go for it. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs>
1: We're talking with Kevin Russell from Shiny Ribs uh today and mm-hmm. uh we are on Americana Podcast uh, the 51st state. My name is Robert Earl Keane and uh we are uh you know upon the season the season is upon us. So uh, mm-hmm. so so Kevin will be going out uh with us uh from all of our Christmas shows a uh, Merry Christmas from the Family uh shows this year is called uh countdown to Christmas based on the moon landing so I'm hoping that you'll sing the man who built the moon absolutely you know we will yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so so uh, we're looking forward to that and this this is going to go all the way uh, up the east coast so there'll be a place near you unless you live in Colorado uh, (laughs) there's going to be a place near you to come see this show it's a great show so Um, we're going to move on to our lightning round here, Kevin, and uh, and w- then one more uh, question after that, and okay. we'll be done. Okay. All right. Uh, so, the lightning round is uh, <coughs> we want to, you know, just one or the other, okay? Okay. So, presents on <coughs> Christmas Eve or presents on Christmas Day? Mm. Christmas Day. Okay. Wassel or eggnog? Wassel. Turkey or tamales? Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> fruitcake or gingerbread? Mm, fruit fruitcake. All right. Yeah. There's a fruitcake lover here. <laughs> Fantastic. White Christmas or blue Christmas?
2: Mm, blue Christmas.
1: Baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg Popovich or Clifford Antone?
2: Greg Popovich, <laughs> come on. Although I love Cliff. I love yeah. Clifford. But, you know, I love the Spurs. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, I pretty much know what this is going to be. Stratocaster or Telecaster? Telecaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was coming. Neil Diamond or Neil Sedaka?
2: Mm, Neil Diamond. All right.
1: Sushi or fried catfish?
2: Mm, man. That's a tough one, uh, sushi. All right. Yep.
1: Uh, Maudis two or One in a Million? One in a Million. All right. Mm-hmm. Clifton Chenier or Boozoo Chavez? Boozoo, that's who. <laughs> uh, I, I think I know what the answer to this one is, too. This is one of our favorite questions, and so I think you're gonna, Okay, you ready? Meet and greet or Rick Perry's birthday party?
3: <laughs> I am have to meet and greet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're talking with Kevin Russell from Shiny Ribs. My name is Robert Roquin. You listen to Americana Podcast of the 51st State. We have one last question for you. Um, here at Americana Podcast, we really think it's a crime that there's such a beautiful instrument that is known to the world as the B3, and we are looking for a new name for the B3. Ooh.
3: Hmm.
2: Let's call it. To be free.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Kevin. We really appreciate it here on Americana Podcast, the 51st state. We've had a wonderful time talking with Kevin Russell from Shiny Ribs. Right on.
0: At Americana Podcast, we would like to thank our host, Robert Earl Keene, Mike Morgan at The Zone Studio, and our guest, Kevin Russell. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keene Productions, edited and produced by Clara Rose, mastered by Pat Mansky, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play.